Welcome to Middle Movers, a podcast for entry and mid-level marketers who want to learn from people on the same rung of the ladder. I'm your host, Khadija, and I'm a growth marketer at Manchester-based Six and Flow. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of Middle Movers. Today I have on here with me Salman Lada, who is a product marketing manager at Unbounce. Welcome, Sal. Hey, Khadija. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. How are things? How is life? Yeah, life is life is good. I mean, um, you know, working from home amidst a pandemic, I feel like we've kind of gotten into the groove for that, but... Um, I hope so, after all this time. Work- you, you've got to hope, right? Like alongside work, though, I'm also wedding planning with my fiance, um, which is super fun because, you know, COVID, ambiguity. How do you even plan a wedding? It's uh, it's super fun. <laughs> oh, and uh, we're also house hunting, which is also incredibly fun because the housing market in Toronto is so, so favorable for us millennials right now. Yeah, it's super welcoming. To be honest, I've been watching like a lot of like YouTube videos, people getting like their new apartment or, you know, they just bought a house and like how they're decorating it and stuff. And then there's like the cool, awesome part about like getting to that next step. But then it's also like everything's so ambiguous, as you mentioned. How do you this is like obviously not about marketing, but I just want the folks to know, like, how are you feeling about that process? And like, how do you manage the emotions that come along with that as you go through it? How are we managing the wedding or the house hunting? Actually, both. The The big life changes that are coming. Yeah, I mean, honestly, COVID is making it really tough. Uh, the ambiguity, like regardless of whether you're in marketing or finance or whatever, project management is something that I think everyone is going to experience to some degree. And yeah. a wedding is project management 101, right? Clear end goal, known variables. We're inviting X number of people. These are the rites and rituals. You just work backwards. Right. Because of the guidelines, <clears throat> that's all thrown out the window because we don't know if we're going to be able to invite 10 people or 50 people or 500 people, as is the custom with Indian weddings, as you're well aware. Right. So it's uh, it's really difficult. Um, it feels like this massive thing just hanging over my fiance and I. We go through ebbs and flows. Usually like one of us is feeling down and the other one's feeling chipper and positive. So we kind of have that yin and yang relationship. Yeah. But um, honestly, it's it's as hard as it is. There's kind of some excitement because it's like that next step in your life, right? Like I'm super pumped to be starting my life off with my fiance, soon to be wife, because she's just so amazing. I love her. And like, I like to think 20, 30 years down the line. And I don't know, there's a huge, huge smile on my face when I think about like her and I bickering in bed about like how our days went or how the kids like were up to no good or like what the dog, like stupid things like that just get me super excited. So amidst the chaos and frustration, there's there's a big smile on my face at the end of the day. That's so nice, man. Yeah, your fiance, she really is awesome for those of us who have had the, the chance to meet her. She's, she really is a very kind person and she loves you really well. And I think you love her really well too. So it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> she, is, she is lovely and and may i pay yes. pay uh a, a compliment to alex because he is an absolutely fantastic human being also thank you i will tell him or he'll listen to this and maybe i won't tell him he'll just <laughs> he'll get the the compliment later 
Oh, man. All right. So just to kind of break the ice, I guess we already kind of did there, shared a little bit <laughs> with the fans. Um, but I would love to hear um, three fun facts about yourself, if you have any, which I know you should, because you're fun. Three fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fun, really. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it's timely because at Unbounce, right, we've been doing a lot of icebreakers and fortunately I've had so many fun facts uh, ready to go. So here Perfect. we go. Fun fact number one. So if you or any of your listeners happen to make your way to Waterloo, Ontario, which is Canada, Silicon Valley, let's be clear about that. Um, yes. <laughs> at the corner of King and University, there is a Gino's Pizza. If you go to that Gino's Pizza, on the wall, there is a framed picture of me with a lot of pizza boxes. So that's fun fact number one. Fun fact number two, and I am not ashamed of this. As you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I do know. I have watched Avengers Endgame 11 times over, five of which happen to be in theaters. And when I say theaters, I mean like, like top tier theaters like IMAX, large popcorn, oh a Coke. God. And like, yeah, I cried probably three or four of the times that I was actually in the theater. So see, I only knew about two of those times you went to the theaters. I think it was like within the same week. And I remember you came to work saying that you went to see it again, which I was like, that's commitment. Can I ask out of those out of those 11 times, how many times did you go by yourself? If you went at all by yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. Yeah. We all have to know. Yeah, I mean, look, like, I think three of the five times I went on my own in okay. theaters, right? One of them was with Nuri and my fiance. The other was with, actually with our old Vidyard co-workers. Uh, and right. then the remaining six times was at home on my own on, like, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> That's amazing. So why why this Marvel film so many times and not the other ones? What is it about Endgame? We need another podcast just to talk about this. Okay, because. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Endgame was the culmination of so much that came before, right? Like it's resting on the shoulders True. of like over 20 movies. Yes. And for any any diehard Marvel fan who's a fan of the MCU, Avengers Endgame, literally every minute or two of dialogue, of conversation, there was actually an Easter egg in there for the fandom to pick up on. So like... True, yes. Little bits of dialogue, I would be like, oh, I see what they're doing there. And my fiance would look over at me like, what, what, what do you like? Why is that such a big deal to you? And I'm like, I'll explain it to you later. So yeah, I've watched it a lot. Do you feel like you got something new out of it each time you watched it? Or was it just like, just the pure enjoyment aspect? I think after the third time, I didn't get anything new out of it from like an Easter eggs perspective, but like yeah. the pure enjoyment of it, right? Like nostalgia, overwhelming emotion. Like, like I said, I cried a few times, not ashamed to admit it. Um, I love that. Yeah, just brilliant, brilliant artwork. Um, and this is perfect because fun fact number three, because yes. I'm a huge Marvel fan, um, back when Avengers Infinity War came out, mm -hmm. and Nija, I think you were, you might remember this one, I actually wrote a two-part blog post oh, yes. on, on lessons in entrepreneurship from Marvel Studios. And the first of those blog posts focused on how they essentially executed on this blue ocean strategy. Now, the fun part about this fact is that one day I was Googling myself as, you know, any normal person does. Yes. And I saw a hit on Google that I didn't recognize. And it was to the blue ocean strategy website. And I'm like, this is my blog post. So oh. unbeknownst to me, 
my post actually got picked up and was featured on Chan Kim and Renee Wilborn's official Blue Ocean Strategy website. So oh my had my book of fame, the combination of the love for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and business strategy coming together, boom. Wow. that's I didn't know that second part, but that's incredible. Did anything else like follow up from that or do you just have bragging rights now? Which is totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I think I just have bragging rights. I remember going to the contact form on their webpage and like, it was probably just a generic admin that I was emailing like, hey, just wanted to say thanks so much for featuring my article. I love your book. I love this concept. Just, you know, fanboying over here. Thanks so much for, for thinking that my post was worthy of your website. And they just responded with like a, hey, no problem. <laughs> thanks for letting us share. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> they should have asked for your address so they could send you a check. Who knows if they got any new business from that? Hook me up with some royalties, eh? Exactly. That's a you good deserve. idea, actually. You deserve. So obviously I told the folks at the beginning that you're a PMM, but how about you kind of tell us a little bit more in your own words about what you're <laughs> currently doing at Unbounce? Sure. So as you mentioned, currently I'm a product marketing manager over at Unbounce, and um, <laughs> I think that's the first time I've actually officially introduced myself as an Unbounce employee. Uh, because this is week number four for me. So I'm still oh, very yeah. much in that learning and onboarding phase right. um, for context. And I'm going to pull a little Manchurian candidate here and tell the, tell the crew what Unbounce is all about. So we'll see how well I've been programmed. Um, <laughs> Unbounce is essentially the OG no-code landing page platform that helps marketers very easily and quickly create landing pages for their marketing campaigns. And the important piece is we're able to we're able to empower them without the need for them to have a designer or a developer. If I'm not mistaken, the company's been in business for a little over a decade now. And over that time, the company's been collecting a whole bunch of data and insights on what really converts, what really helps marketers achieve their conversion goals. And using all that data, we're channeling it into what we think is going to be the next best thing for marketers. And we're calling this conversion intelligence. Ooh. Essentially, what conversion intelligence is, is this combination of the marketer's innate skills combined with artificial intelligence and machine learning to really drive these meaningful experiences that ultimately drive conversions and impact their businesses in a very positive way. I think I did okay with my like corporate marketing response there, right? We'll see what the rest of your coworkers say when they listen to this. <laughs> I thought it sounded great, but you know, I'm Mentoring on the outside. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. In my role as a product marketer, I, I essentially act as a linchpin between two functions of business: the go-to-market side of the business, so think sales, marketing, customer experience, mm -hmm. and the technical side of the business, so product management, engineering, as well as design, and eventually. I'll be overseeing the go-to-market strategy of our actual builder experience product. Ooh, that's really cool. Like getting more into the tech side of things. Like I know you're pretty tech savvy, but like, I think it's nice to get to lean into both sides. Um, I know it's like still early for you, but do you find, or do you anticipate, I guess, that it's going to be like a pretty good balance between the more technical side of the business and then like more of the go-to-market side? Or how do you envision that playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think it always varies depending on the company that you're at. So yeah. product marketing, as you're likely aware, sits at the center of sales, marketing, and product management. And depending on mm -hmm. the company, you either have PMMs who are more on the 
market facing side of things, more uh, in the revenue operation side of the business, and some PMMs operate more on the product side of the business. Right. Um, when I was speaking to my team here, they're very clear that they want PMMs to be product people. And so I'm really looking forward to leaning more into the technical side of the business. I want to know our product inside and out, actually set out time for myself on a regular basis where I just go and build pages and unbounds and try to break it and do cool things. So That's I'm awesome. definitely looking forward to leaning more into the technical side. But of course, right, PMMs are, are squarely responsible for the go-to-market uh, side of the business or the go-to-market strategy. So of course, that's going to be a big component of what I'm doing. For sure. So now like a, a little throwback, mostly for us, because we obviously know each other and our friends and whatnot. Um, but I remember, obviously, we, we met on the sales floor at Vidyard. And I remember you thinking about what you want to do next. And you want to be a product manager. And then you realized that you actually want to be or wanted to kind of focus more on being a product marketing manager. But I we never mm -hmm. really talked about, you know, what in general made you want to go into marketing specifically so let's let's hear it <laughs> yeah this this podcast is intended for a marketing audience right this yeah it's gonna is. be fun so <laughs> i'll be honest with you yeah i never wanted to go into marketing <gasps> what uh, yeah and i'm sure like everyone listening is cringing right now but i never wanted to go into marketing and i promise this the story has a good ending um <laughs> but go on by the time I finished my master's as you kind of alluded to I was convinced product management was the career for me right and it was mainly because I really fell in love with owning the problem space end-to-end -end. so think like discovery through ideation development mm -hmm. and seeing it through to implementation so that data-driven process the ability to constantly be in touch with customers and the market and use that to inform your decision making I was super excited by it Right. And so I realized product management was a career that would enable me to do that. The hurdle that I was running into, and maybe this is just a function of the Kitchener Waterloo ecosystem, I don't know. Right. But no one was going to hire me as a product manager with no product management experience. Unless I came into the role with domain expertise or a technical background. So think like computer science or engineering. Mm -hmm. The latter for which, like, I don't think it's necessary for a product manager to have a CS or an engineering degree, right? That's right. just my opinion. And we can talk about that later if you want. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I'm thinking, great, I'm out of school. I'm in debt. I have this career aspiration of being in product management and it's not happening for me. How do I make this happen? Like, what's the, what's the next step in that journey? And I thought, I need to be in a position that's going to help me understand the market, understand customer pain points. And ultimately, how specific technology is going to map to those pain points to solve a unique problem for them. And so that's how I ended up landing in sales at Vidyard, which is, of course, where you and I met. Yes. And had a lot of great times, smiling and dialing, shadowing calls and, and reading books by the fireplace, which is probably one of the nicest parts of that office. Yes. Um, it was it was a blast, right? Like, and, and yeah. it's sales, right? Ebbs and flows. I was thrilled because here I was in this market facing role, interacting with customers, mm -hmm. understanding what they valued. And, and my ambition, of course, being in product management was great. I'm going to take all this market knowledge and feed it into the technical side of the business so that they can build cool products for Vidyard and ultimately help us scale. Right. That was that was what I dreamed of being, which was that linchpin between these two functions that didn't get along too well, sales and product. That was the plan. <laughs> Yeah. And as you're well aware, um, that plan didn't necessarily come to fruition because as I was interviewing, I'd often get pegged as just another sales guy. So even though I was leaning into more product management skills, 
I wasn't getting the opportunity to actually be a full-fledged PM. And it wasn't until one of my mentors actually suggested that I look into product marketing because where product management was maybe two degrees of separation from sales, product marketing was one degree of separation. So mm-hmm. started tapping into the network, connecting with folks in the KW region. And it just so happened that one of the directors that I got coffee with turned out to be hiring. And one thing led to another, applied. And I'm really fortunate because I think he saw in me that I was a product marketer, but I just didn't even know that product marketing is what I was looking for. Right. And here we are. I, I honestly could not be happier um, because let's go full circle. As much as I didn't want to be in marketing, mm-hmm. Khadija, honestly, like, I think you'll agree now more than ever, the role of marketing is so crucial within any organization. For sure. Absolutely. I don't, I don't just mean that in the context of the pandemic with everyone going online. Of course, that's one aspect of it. But if we think about it a little more critically, the way in which buyers are actually buying is mm-hmm. completely different to what you and I were taught over at Vidyard, where the sales rep had held all the cards, feed an opportunity down the funnel, and there's this very elongated sales process, not very friendly to the prospect or the customer. Right. The way it is now heck, pricing pages are public, you have product review sites that are thriving, and the narrative is completely different, where it's all about customer education at that top of funnel awareness stage, such that when the prospect is ready to convert, they can self-serve and just zip right down the funnel themselves. So didn't want to be in marketing, super thrilled that I'm here now. So it did have a happy (laughs) ending. You didn't just say that lying to the audience, so... (laughs) I I don't lie, all right? (laughs) It's true. I would definitely agree, though. I do think it is crucial because I feel like people are looking for more of that experience that's not only personal like even though something is done like on mass or you know there's just like well positioned messaging or you know giving more access to information like you mentioned about public pricing pages and all that kind of stuff but it's known now like and especially now more than ever people are doing that research for themselves so it's important that the right information is not only out there but it's put forth in the way that serves both sides, mostly the customer and or the prospect, but still also puts the business in the best light as well. And marketing, yeah, definitely plays into that. It can be creative with that as well, which I appreciate. Absolutely. For sure. So a little bit back to the sales. When you were in sales, when we were in sales, I guess, did it seem natural to kind of go towards sales for marketing because you had mentioned about the one degree of separation but when you actually made the transition did it feel natural to you or Hmm. that's a good question and i I would say yes and no okay yes because as someone in product you have to be in i'm gonna preface this by saying i kind of hate saying this word or this phrase oh no but you have to be customer centric Right, you really need to develop a deep level empathy towards your customer. For and sure. in my opinion, when it comes to customer centricity, sales reps have one of the highest levels of understanding in the organization full stop because they're constantly interacting with the market. You can't underpin how valuable that is. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you can relate to when we were hammering the phones over at Vidyard. For sure. Of course, the way in which product people and salespeople use that empathy is very different, right? Product people are using it to drive innovation from a product development perspective. And salespeople are going to use it to surface a pain point to open up an opportunity. But in that sense, it was was fairly natural. I would say... On the flip side... Pardon, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I would definitely agree that, like, 
you can see how they apply but then once you're actually in the field of marketing you it's basically like you planted the seeds but then you see how they actually come to fruition and how you're using that those skills that you built up at that time when you were in sales yeah totally and like it's mm -hmm. it's a very different discipline to some degree and this is one of the things that i found challenging with the transition is that right marketing comes with so much autonomy oh definitely so much right and sales like you remember is such a metrics driven role like a clear cadence of work with this very scientific precision outlines what success on a day-to-day -day basis looks like so you accomplish mm -hmm. x y and z make 50 dials send out 100 emails 50 linkedin touches and you go home with your head held high For and sure. th the challenge that i found with product marketing in particular is unlike other quota carrying positions including things like demand gen marketing the metrics that product marketers have on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis are much more ambiguous and up in the air. Oh, okay. So success in our world is measured against these broader business objectives that are dictated by the company goal. So for example, everything from hitting a revenue target, uh, reducing customer acquisition costs, widening margins, all of those are responsibilities that trinkle down into product marketing. It's ultimately what we're weighed against. Right. And so when I joined MyoVision, this is something I struggled big time with. And my director would often tell me, he's like, look, you're now in a role that's working on the business rather than in the business. And so that mindset shift was really mm -hmm. challenging for me because look, like any high performer, you want to know what success looks like, right? You want those constant dopamine rushes of accomplishing your goals, feeling great. Uh, I just felt like with product marketing in particular, you had to get much more creative. And of right. course, there's ways to go about tracking success with you know some of the um, goals that I listed above. You just got to get a little more creative compared to sales when it comes to like opportunities, for example. Right. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's not as clear cut. And also, like how you had mentioned about sometimes you don't even have a monthly KPI. Like as I was talking about with Jude on the last episode, like sometimes you have things that are short term projects and you can see that more immediate success which means you get that positive affirmation for yourself but then you have those like longer term products as well that could be a complete test maybe it's never been done in the organization and you just don't know the outcomes and you hope for the best but you can only plan so much and you have to also be able to make peace with that if you want to continue on with marketing I find which is hard for me as someone that likes to plan and organize um, but mm -hmm. it's something that I can appreciate as well because it keeps me on my toes. So you hit the nail on the head there with being able to make peace with it. And I think another thing mm -hmm. that a lot of marketers struggle with is we're pulled in so many different directions, right? And yeah, especially being in product marketing or any product oriented role, which is so expansive. Sometimes you just got to learn to say no, which can be really difficult. For sure. Especially like as you're like earlier on in your career too, you, it's hard to not say yes to everything because you're like what opportunity am i missing or what knowledge gap am i not filling by saying no to something but you can't totally. do it all and then kind of going back to to my vision um do you kind of want to tell folks like what that was you don't have to give the full corporate spiel like you did for unbounds but just like in brief what my vision offers or, or what they do so you're you're really testing me on my messaging for the company that I've worked with. You're in product marketing, man. That's that's your thing. <laughs> Let's see if I can go back a couple of months. So, okay. um, MyoVision. Um, so the reason MyoVision exists is they operate in the smart city space, 
And the reason they exist is to essentially improve both the safety and efficiency of traffic networks around the world. Right. The way in which MyVision accomplishes that goal, not only do they operate in the smart city space, but they deploy either permanent or semi-permanent hardware at the intersection to collect data. That data is then used to inform strategic decision-making around signal timing changes. So think about your traffic lights um, that ultimately have an impact on citizen safety and the efficiency with which you're able to go through your traffic networks. Nice. I think I did a pretty good job there too, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Okay, but like, let <laughs> me say it first, you know? <laughs> Don't do your horn. This is my show. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, and from what I understand, like through you and like a couple other folks that I've I've known that are at that organization, a lot of the focus is like marketing and selling into government to get this sort of yeah. these tools implemented. So, what was it like, you know, getting through the red tape of of marketing and selling into government as a PMM? <laughs> you, In short, you use the right word there. Red tape. Um, <laughs> it was a very interesting space, right? The smart city yeah. space, interacting with government and the public sector. Obviously, there's lots of hoops when it comes to things like RFPs. But, you know, Khadija, I think whether you're in B2B or B2G, yeah. the fundamentals of marketing are going to remain constant. So if you can visualize a business model canvas, mm. um, you always start with who is the customer you're creating value for. And in the realm of marketing, this is just persona work 101. This is answering the questions of what jobs are your customers relying on your product to solve? Mm -hmm. What does success look like in their world? How do they go about making buying decisions? From there, you're pivoting over to the value proposition, which is a natural function of the customer segment in your business model canvas. Right. And in the world of marketing, this is just positioning and messaging. So fundamentally, I didn't think the there was any major differences when it came to the foundations of marketing uh, to government or if you were in b2b but what was different were the downstream tactics of course they were very different um pre-pandemic at myovision a significant amount of our business was actually conducted in person and at trade shows that was the key marketing activity right the the other thing to keep in mind i guess the other challenge of marketing to the government is you have very very long sales cycles yeah i'm i'm talking like five to seven years sometimes because as you mentioned lots of red tape these are it's public sector so it's taxpayer dollars they really need to do their due diligence and the region of waterloo is a great example of this they were a customer of myovision since 2012 i believe that was the first touch point and it was a pilot project Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 2020, eight years later, where we saw a $3 million procurement come through. So wow. very long sales cycles. You can imagine over that time frame, the, the customers having multiple touch points with the company through sales, marketing, and customer experience. And so Jeez. you not only need to have a lot of patience, but even from the lens of marketing, when you're thinking about impact measurement or, or attribution, it gets really difficult and convoluted when you're dealing with sales cycles that long. And it's hard enough when you're in the traditional B2B SaaS environment with like sales cycles that are a year long or six months long. It was really challenging in that environment. Wow. Eight years. I'm still sad on that. What you just said. That's incredible. Yep. <laughs> At least yeah. you got to see the end result of all of that though. <laughs> yeah absolutely like i got to i got to enjoy like the celebration part of it right, right. um 
but some of the sales reps, man, kudos to them for, for having that patience, kudos to the marketing team and everyone at the company for sticking with it. Of course, that was maybe a longer example. We had some sales cycles that were much shorter, mm -hmm. um, but that's the one that's topical for me. I'm glad to hear some were shorter because if that was the norm, <laughs> my goodness. Can you imagine, can you imagine like predicting your pipeline and forecasting yeah. like that would be so difficult. Yeah. Are we closing this decade or next? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare, but I'm glad that it's, it's like a mixed bag and then kind of going on the theme of challenges. And I, I don't like using this term, but I will anyways, because everyone's heard it and seen it a million times over the last year. But over the course of, you know, the last year or so, what would you say has been the biggest challenge of marketing during these unprecedented times? <laughs> you say that one more time. Unprecedented times. And I did the air quotes because no one can see that, but it just helps me to get it out. Uh, but yeah, what, what did you find hard about marketing ever since the, the pandemic kind of made its way over here in North America? That's a, that's a tough question. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll start by answering it very thematically. And okay. when I think about what the biggest challenge of marketing during these quote unquote unprecedented times was, <laughs> I think it had to be finding the sense of balance mm. and you know, the most obvious example, of course, would be what ended up being work-life integration, right? Not right. only did the lines blur as a function of us working remotely, but with everyone going digital, I think there was this added pressure on marketers to really step up. I think we felt this, this weight on our shoulders to try to figure out solutions to this very novel predicament. And we were uniquely positioned to do so. Um, right. I think marketers really stepped up in this difficult time. But if I take it to more of a tactical level, I think finding balance when it came to product messaging and external facing copy was also a bit of a challenge. Right. As, so. as bad as the situation was, right? Mm -hmm. For many SaaS companies, this was actually a prime opportunity for them to capitalize on. You're seeing that reflected in public stocks market capitalization, like DocuSign has gone through the roof, Zoom Video, Salesforce, HubSpot, all these SaaS companies have massive market capitalizations now. Right. And you know, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, said it best, and I think it was their first earnings call amidst the pandemic, where they said, we've seen 10 years of digitization in 10 years, or in, in 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. So this massive acceleration. But I do think that there was this balancing act between being a little too obvious versus subtly using the context of the environment to position your product. And like, right. I saw some pretty bad examples of companies flat out just positioning their product as the hero, the savior for all these yeah. companies going remote. Like, and I'm talking companies that use the, the words like unprecedented and crisis and pandemic in their external facing copy. Like, you got to have a little bit of tact. And I think in that sense, finding balance is really, really tricky. Definitely. For the record, there were companies like DocuSign and Zoom Video who did a fantastic job of the way they positioned themselves. But of course, you could argue they actually had the luxury of brand equity to lean into. So they didn't have to be as aggressive. But that would be that would be my answer, finding balance. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
And, like, especially, yeah, we were kind of talking last time as well, but some of the messaging that's just been so cringy and, like, even products or services that really wouldn't be helpful to folks in a time like this. Like, there was very little to no effort in some cases to actually pivot the messaging. It was just like, we're just going to run with this idea, even if it doesn't really make sense, even if it probably won't resonate. And I don't know, I just feel like a lot of people didn't really know what to do because... A, we're all experiencing something like this for the first time, but like you said, there can be or there should be some tact involved when putting something yeah. external out. Totally. And like mm-hmm. for, for the companies that didn't do it well, like I don't want to be too critical, but it, it really was a bit of a turnoff, right? Like for sure, I saw it. Was... it I, I don't think I want to use your product or service anymore. Or, you know, like it might be a great product, but I think you're being a little too you're capitalizing on the situation a little too much here yes and a lot of people will shop like or or buy something in general like product service what have you with emotion involved and you know anger or frustration or confusion towards messaging are all emotions and feelings that people consider when they're making a decision so yeah i would agree with that it's been it's been interesting and like definitely has changed uh definitely like the way i've viewed certain organizations and how I would move forward with them in my in my own personal life as well you already mentioned this word earlier and I'm not surprised um, because it's one of my least favorite as well but I'll let you tell the folks what your least favorite marketing term or buzzword is and see if they remember what you said earlier (laughs) before you gave me a response I I totally alluded to it earlier and yeah and look like this is this is a contentious one, right? Like this yes. might this might um, cause a bit of a divide, but customer centric, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. Like, it, I'm gonna get a little heated here, but it really grinds my gears when a company or even a marketer say they're customer centric. Okay, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Let me be rational about this. Let me like calm Please. myself down. But from a company perspective you have to be customer centric in today's economy, right? Like we talked about the business model canvas. You always start with the customer segment that you're creating value for. So fundamentally the business is built of a customer that you're solving a problem for. But in today's economy, especially competition is so fierce. The switching costs are so low and it, it like, it honestly feels like we operate in a commodities market at times. And so if you're not a customer centric business in today's world, you're either one not scaling or you're dead underwater. It's one or the other. So right. it grinds my gears when companies say that they're customer centric because you have to be customer centric in today's world. Yes. It's very obvious. It's a it's very obvious thing to say. So I don't really know why it's it shouldn't be something that sets you apart. If it does, exactly. then <laughs> that's a problem. Now the marketers who say they're customer centric. <laughs> oh, okay. there's a part two. Sorry, go on. <laughs> this- that's just a redundancy. Yeah. Okay. Because, all right, this is this is this is a little off track. Like, go on. It'd be like me going to a coffee shop like Starbucks and ordering a chai tea. That's tea tea. That's a redundancy. And so, like, <laughs> you don't need to say that. Like, I told you, I'd get heated. You know, um, the CEO of a company called Scaler. Her name's Christine Heckart. She's got a really interesting post on this. She actually doesn't believe in the chief marketing officer. That's not the title that she gives her CMO. She calls them chief market officers. And oh. she's super explicit about it because she doesn't think their role is purely about demand generation. Of course, 
it's a component of it. But right. he looks at it with a much more strategic lens in that they are responsible for considering opportunities within a market and carving out those segments. And so if you are in marketing, your title directly says what you're focused on, which is the market and by extension, your customers. So right. you can't say you're customer centric. That much is already assumed by the virtue of you being in marketing. Why do I feel like you've had this conversation several times? <laughs> People ask you and I, you're just like, this is my, my take, my hot take. So you know what it is like, I've been just like hunting to be in product. Also when we were at Vidyard, you'll recall, I was building out the customer experience use case there. So like, right. I just started to understand the space a little bit more and like everyone kept saying that they're customer centric. Like something's not adding up here. I, I am a little too passionate about this. Like I said, it's a contentious one. It's likely going to drop a divide. <laughs> we'll see what happens if like the reviews for this go downhill. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know after the episode drops. What and Sal is never invited back on a podcast. Basically. But honestly, I agree with everything you said, and it's definitely one that it just put, it ends up being a lot of noise because you see it so much. And it's good that people are aware of that, but it doesn't need to fall into your external messaging. Like, it's implicit that you're focused on the customer because, like you said, that is the market and that's who we're trying to reach out to. No matter the persona, we're hitting the market that our organization is focused on, and that's that's it. So exactly, you, you're <laughs> the company shouldn't say they're customer centric. The customers should say the co company is customer centric because they've yes. experienced it through some type of channels or tactics. Like if they've got, you know, Chewy.com for example has one of the best customer support um, scores that I've seen across a lot of companies. They're actually known in the industry for their fantastic customer support. Wow. Okay. Clearly, that's a customer centric company, and it's coming directly from the customers who are experiencing it as a function of what the company is actually doing. And like on the note of like buzzwords, we've talked about things that people have done poorly in marketing, but in general in 2020, was there anything specific that you thought was just overdone by marketers or by companies that you're like, I wish that would not happen this year? Yeah, I literally the first thing that came to mind was webinars. <laughs> yes, <I> like, <laughs> hot take. I, I don't even... I don't even think I need to elaborate on it, right? Like, please do. Look, I, under <laughs> I, I understand why it happened. Okay. I definitely do. It's the obvious solution. We're going to lean into it. What we know, everything was being done remote. So of course, right? Like let's do virtual trade shows and virtual meetups and, and all the webinars. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like I love webinars. I love delivering them. I love attending them, but we had such a massive uptick in them Yeah. and combine that with all of the zoom meetings that we were having it just like it just started to feel like noise to me at at one point you know there's this funny linkedin targeted ad that keeps coming my way which is um naw like naw oh okay and it's not another webinar and <laughs> like it's it's so perfect like clearly clearly like google or apple is listening and i'm getting hit with these targeted ads but that would be my hot take is Webinars were overdone in, in 2020. I understand why it was done, but I think we all have a little bit of webinar fatigue. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I definitely see the value in them and like like you said, like why that was kind of the obvious move. But yeah, there were so many and then I feel like it kind of just died off at the same time as well. People be like, oh, we need to do something else. 
And then it was just like a bunch of ebooks I saw on my any- anyways that were starting to come out. And then also the conferences. Like virtual conferences do not hit the same. And then after you've been on Zoom for work and then maybe attending webinars in general, like you don't want to be on Zoom for like an eight hour day potentially going in and out of a conference. So I don't know how we really do pivot, but I definitely am feeling a bit of fatigue myself. So I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And like you hit the nail on the heads. I don't know how we, we pivot it either. Right. I'm just being super critical here, but maybe, maybe companies should invest into more podcasts like this lovely medium. Cause I can, I can see the utility here, right? Like I can listen to this when I'm working out, when I'm driving yeah. and it's all, it's in the background. I'm like slowly marinating in the content of the company. It's great. Yes. And also you get a break from screens, which I think we all desperately need at the end of work day as well you can just like you know sit in the dark and listen or whatever do the different things you would be doing like cooking driving like you said so it's definitely a nice change up um and then i guess kind of to round things off without sounding too um interview-esque um but not necessarily like your five-year plan uh, especially because you're like still semi-new into product marketing um, but where do you hope to take your career, either in product marketing or just in general? Where do you where do you see yourself? This is a good question. You're asking me to look into my crystal ball. Yeah. I see. Yes, of uh, course. Maybe product management. You know, maybe customer experience because I'm so customer centric. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> maybe maybe leadership. I I honestly don't know. What I can tell you is, for the time being, I'm just super focused on being the best damn product marketer I can be. Um, I'm in, and if I may be a little sentimental, I'm, I'm really grateful to have some of the mentors that I've had in my life. I'm not oblivious to the fact that the transition that I made from being a BDR to full fledged PMM is a very unorthodox one. So very fortunate to have amazing mentors and people who've trusted me. I mean, my team here at unbounce, for example, is, is amazing. So smart so sharp, so supportive, so driven. And it's it's great for me to be in this environment with them because it's it's ultimately going to help elevate me, elevate me. But even in Kitchener-Waterloo, right? right? I had some really fantastic mentors, both at Vidyard, at MyoVision, and in the local ecosystem. And I would be remiss if I didn't actually name drop someone. So Mr. Matt Denick, if you're listening, a huge shout out to you. Uh, he was someone who really took me under his wing and, and has shown me what it means to be a product marketer has has routinely connected with me. I'm talking like bi-weekly. Um, wow. Mentors like that is it's really, really, I'm really fortunate. But for what it's worth, um, I actually used to build five-year forward resumes for myself and answer exactly this question. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I literally answer this question. I'd sit there and identify companies that I'd want to work with. I'd identify the roles and highlight some of the skills that I wanted to acquire and think, okay, it's 2021, Sal 2026, this is this is the roadmap. And okay, cool. a month later, an opportunity would come up that had no sight on that roadmap. And all of a sudden my plan was out the window. And so <laughs> there there are industries that I'd say I'm passionate about, finance, investing, fintech, maybe even like health tech and uh, fitness tech leaning into my kin background. Right. So I can see myself going in that direction. But generally speaking, Khadija, I, I look at my career kind of on this three-point paradigm. First and foremost, am I learning, right? Mm-hmm. Am I around 
Um, am I around individuals that are going to help me learn? Am I mentally stimulated? Is this a challenge for me? Secondly, am I around good people? It's one thing to be smart and be the dumbest person in the room, but are they also good people? Are they nice, supportive, and caring individuals? Mm -hmm. And lastly, am I fascinated about the problem the company is solving and by extension, the technology that's using to solve those pain points? Wow. I, this is going to make me sound a little old, uh, <laughs> but for the record, yeah, right. I'm not that old. I'm only 28. Um, I've learned with time, it's actually okay to not have a plan. So I wish I could go back in time and tell younger Sal, don't freak out, right? It's, it's not the end of the world if you don't know where you're going in life. Mm -hmm. As long as you have those guiding values that you can weigh your decisions against, it's all good. And I mean, clearly you're a fantastic example of that, right? Like you've tried a few things since our time at Vidyard. So let me turn the tables on you and ask you, where do you see yourself in five years? Sal, this is my show. I ask the questions now. Before I go into where I see myself, I do want to say that I feel really lucky to have been able to see your transition, be there with you through like some of those freak out moments thinking that, you know, things were going to work out or if something didn't go this way that you didn't know what you were going to do and like see you land in this path and be able to grow so much in like such a short time. Like it really wasn't that long ago we were working together. So you should be really proud of yourself because I'm proud of you. Well, you already knew that. Ugh, my heart. <laughs> I pictured your exact mo like movement when you said that. <laughs> it's like burned into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have tried quite a few things, which depending who you ask, it's like, oh, you've been busy, you know, hopping around and whatnot. Um, but I think it's really important, like you said, like make sure you're always learning. Make sure you feel supported and like you're in a good, strong environment where you can move forward in what it is that you're trying to do um and yeah you should be excited to go to work even though work for most people now is just going to the couch but you get the idea um but in five <laughs> years i i don't really know what i want to be doing like it's kind of two things that i've seen myself doing because for me like just like you people have you know given me the opportunity to just try things and like taking the chance on me to be able to go down this path of marketing and I feel like there will be people that come after me as well, of course, that will want to, you know, have that chance given to them. And I want to be able to get them excited about marketing. So I could see myself in like a leadership type of role. But the reason why I wouldn't say that's like the definite path is because I think it's organization dependent. But sometimes I feel like people in leadership don't get to do like the day to day kind of work and like really get their hands dirty in terms of like still being creative and like constantly creating in a marketing role. And I don't know that I would want to lose that within five years time or ever. And of course there are different outlets you can find to like kind of nurture that, but I definitely want to still be creative in whatever sort of marketing path I'm on in five years. And I do know that I want to stick with marketing for the long haul for sure. So we'll see what that looks like. Well, I mean, the, the great thing is mm -hmm. we can always go try new things and if it's not right for us, move on. I mean, we're fortunate in that I think it's our generation that's just very different. Like I look at my dad, he's been at TD Bank for 22 years. Wow. Um, and like, he's been there a long time. That career definitely changed his life and definitely changed things for our family. But I look to him and I think, how how the heck did you stick around for 22 years? And I'm like, that's a I'm long a company for... time. <laughs> yeah, like two, three years and I'm looking at right, where's the next move? And I think maybe it's just the nature of tech. Maybe it's the nature of our, our generation. But right. we definitely have that luxury where we can go and try multiple different things and quickly figure out what is for us what isn't for us and 
heck, I mean, you can do nothing but uh, move up into the right, I suppose. Yeah, up into the right? Into the middle? Move into the middle? Middle movers? <laughs> Decent segue. All right. <laughs> I tried. I said the show name. You know how they do that in the movies? When middle you're like, oh, movers. he said the title. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for here. Well, Sal, as always, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, getting into, you know, things we've touched on, you know, over the course of us being friends, but like really getting deeper with a lot of these things. And again, I appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your knowledge with the larger group of folks that will listen to this. Oh my gosh, it was an absolute pleasure. I had so much fun. Hopefully people find value in it. Hopefully we brought some smiles to people's faces and hopefully we... We had some contentious topics, so I hope uh, people enjoyed it. Yes, I'm sure they will. I'm sure people will get over you not liking customer centric. I also... Oh my god. <laughs> can, I, can I give some feedback to everyone? Go watch Avengers Endgame, appreciate Marvel, subscribe to Six and Flow's uh, Middle Movers podcast, mic drop, sell out. <laughs> All right, that's it, folks.